Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fatty's Pub and Grill. This is the Rock of the Barn Show presented to you by ONTAP Sports and brought to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. And every week leading up until midweek matching, I will be joined by Rocky as well as other NIL-sponsored Huskies here at Fatty's to talk football. And you're probably all wondering where Rocky is right now. He's on his way from practice. He'll be here in about 15 minutes. But before we get started with Rocky, Let's take a talk about this battle that we had in Tulsa this past weekend. The Huskies traveled out to Tulsa, played a pretty tough game. They end up losing 38 to 35. It was really a tale of two halves. If you take a look at, you know, what the game for what it is, you go into the half time breakdown 24 to seven, and then you find a way to score 28 points in the second half to get back into the game. And they fell three points short. Uh, there was a couple plays, if you will, on the last two drives, one fourth and four with a minute 40 left that we weren't able to convert on. And then we get the ball back after Tulsa scores. You have an opportunity to score there. And a ball, you know, tips off the receiver's hands, ends up in a Tulsa defensive back's hands. The rest is history. We end up losing that game. We moved to one and one on the season. But in my eyes, I look at this game similar to what I look at last season at the Wyoming game. It was a game that, People pretty much wrote us off before we even got off the plane. You go out there, you play four quarters of football, and you're one possession short against a team that on paper, like I said, people predicted to beat us. I think the spread for the game was like seven points. So you find a way to stay in this football game. A couple decisions down the stretch end up costing you the game, but, you know, we're on the Vanderbilt. We're on it next week. What I do want to say from this performance against Tulsa is you found a couple new players on this team that were able to make some plays. Wide receiver Casper Rukowitz had three receptions for 45 yards and two touchdowns. The DeKalb native Cole Tucker had seven receptions and 123 yards with a touchdown. And then obviously the three-headed monster and the running backs combined for 37 carries, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. On the defensive side of the ball, going into this season, there was some question marks. Still are some question marks going into this game up against Vanderbilt. But at certain moments, you could tell whether it was the pass rush whether it was the defensive backs like Muhammad Jumaid making plays, Jordan Gandy made a few plays out there. This defense, despite the amount of points that they've given up week in and week out, has continued to get better and will only continue to get better. They welcome back Devin Lafayette to the starting rotation. You bring in guys like Isaiah Green May, and then you add Dave and Rayner again, second week in a row in double-digit tackles. He had 14 tackles week one against Eastern Illinois. Now this week against Tulsa, he, he finishes off with 11 tackles and seven solos. So the way I look at it is, yeah, it's a loss in the, in the win-loss column. Moral victory, though. You find a way to battle back from two 17-point de- deficits. John Richardson, I know he missed a kick early in the game, but the guy went out there, kicked it onside, recovered it by himself, which – you guys know he's the kicker you're not supposed to be the guy that recovers the onside kick so a lot of different players making plays up to this point like I said the secondary leading the way in tackles which something you really don't ever want to see is is your safeties and corners leading your team in tackles but they came out there and they they answered the call as far as making sure they were wrapping up on the receivers because as much as we had a 300 monsters in our 300 monster running backs they had a three-minute-headed monster in receiving. They only had four players catch passes. Uh, Keelan Stokes had eight for 135. Santana, four for 87. Jones, four for 61. And Epps, three for 39. So they found a way to find 322 passing yards and four touchdowns on this defense. And with the way that it, it's looking going into this week's matchup against Vanderbilt, 
you're going to have to find a way to stop the pass because Vanderbilt's going to look to air it out. They're going to look to test our secondary early, and their quarterback is an athlete. Like, he runs fast, throws the ball far. He's a hard tackle in the open field, and he's definitely someone that can put his, his foot in the dirt and make you miss. The way I look at it is, is if they play their game going into next week, it should be very similar to the Tulsa matchup. But in the Tulsa matchup, you have to find a way to play four, four quarters of football. And when you go into the, to the halftime break with a little over 100 yards, you don't really have many passing attempts. You don't really have a rhythm, all that on offense. It's hard to come back. But as we've seen with this NIU team, they're able to come back from these large deficits. And in all, in all part, it's, it's really – a lot of it has to do with the guy that's going to be sitting next to me here in about 15 minutes because he ended up 18 of 31, 259 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, that pick truly, if you, if you break it down and actually watch the play, the interception was not his fault. Ball dropped right out of his receiver's hands and into the Tulsa defensive back's hand. So it is what it is. You live to fight another day, but I mean, I even talked to him after the game. He even was a little down on himself and said he wished that he could have did more, but I told him, I go, look, you can only control what you control. You can't throw the ball and catch it and then run for a first down, too. So you put the ball on the, on the money, he wasn't able to come up with the catch, and he ended up losing the game. But that, that's not why we lost the game. There was plenty of plays in the lead-up and in the build-up to that, whether it was the fact that we allowed over 400 total yards of offense from the Tulsa offense or the fact that you're sitting there chasing points. Now, we could talk about the decision that Coach Hammock had with – I'm mean, hitting 40 left in the game. So obviously I'm not a coach, a podcaster, I'm a writer, blogger, so I don't get paid to make these decisions. But fourth and four, you're on your opponent's 40. You got a minute 40 left. Tulsa has one timeout. And ultimately what we decided to do was to go for it. And when you go for it in that situation, you're effectively saying, hey, let's kill the game right here. If we can kill the game right here and get four yards, which if you guys know Coach Hammock's DNA, he likes four yards in a cloud of dust. He's going to find a way to get it. He ends up throwing a, a drag route. Rocky throws a drag route over the middle to George Gums, freshman tight end. I don't know necessarily if that's the guy that I want in that situation to make that play. That, that was the play that was called. It, he, he played himself open. Rocky put the ball on the money, and it was incomplete. Now, the game's not over then yet, right? We're still up 35 to 31. Tulsa has to find a way to get a touchdown. A field goal does them no good. And the defense looked good to start, right? They, they had a couple stops in the first series. They were able to get a couple stops. But a defensive pass interference that, for better part of the last few years, we've seen receivers just be able to kind of bait corners into that by running these deep routes with a little bit of misdirection in them. We end up getting called for a defensive pass interference. It moves Tulsa all the way down the field. They're able to get a touchdown with relative ease and then – we're back at square one. We're down three points. We have the football. There's about a minute left, but we're chasing the game. And when you're chasing the game, you get desperate. We obviously can't run our normal offense and run the ball up the gut and do power and all that. So we start passing the ball. We get a couple plays, a couple, I would say, gash plays to get you around midfield. And what ends up happening is same thing as before. You put a, you put a pass on the money to your receiver. Receiver did not make the catch. Like I said, it's uh, it ends up in the Tulsa defensive backs' hands, and then they end up in the victory formation. But one thing that I will state about this game is this wasn't Central Michigan that we did this against. It wasn't Western or Ball State or 
are one of these teams in the conference. Yeah, it does suck to lose this game. It's unfortunate. Like, you want to be able to win every game that you play. But I can live with that. I can live with that decision made by Coach Hammock. And at the end of the day, as much as people want to hang Coach Hammock out to drive for that decision, the players have to go out and execute. If you call the play as a player, you know anybody who's played sports in this room, you don't disobey your coach. You can find yourself on the bench. So I, uh, I feel bad for them because I know how hard they wanted to win that game. And the crowd looked real rowdy. The Tulsa student section, all that stuff, they looked like they were giving our guys a hard time. And then, too, you even, you even take into effect, Tulsa played a little chippy. Their guys were kind of going after Rocky. They were getting into it a little extracurricular after the whistle and stuff. And it's like, we don't play that brand of football. We play clean, hard football, whistle to whistle. And, you know, you can only – you can't hang your head on it because you got a battle again this week against an SEC opponent in Vanderbilt. And then as I talked about, too, last week on the show, it doesn't get any easier on the other side of Vanderbilt. You go from Vanderbilt to Kentucky, two SEC teams, two Power Five teams, one home and one away, and you got to find a way to split those games because you don't want to go into conference play being one and three and desperate for a win. We've seen it before where this team has the ability to bounce back from one and three, but I don't want to even get down that road. Let's find a way to win a football game this upcoming week against Vanderbilt. And then that'll give us as much momentum as we can possibly have going into Kentucky because that's all you can ask for. If there's one thing that does give me a little bit of hope going into this matchup, these next two matchups, if you will, is that across the board in college football, honestly, I want to say there was like three or four games this week that were pay games where the team is paid to come play you. And those teams won those games. So Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State, Appalachian, Appalachian, whatever the mountains is. They lost to Mountain State, we'll say. And uh, I don't know what the amount is, but I think they got like $1.5 million for that. Marshall traveled to South Bend, Indiana, beat Notre Dame pretty handedly. The scoreboard will not be a good indicator of how that game was. They got $1.25 million for that game. And then this should come as no surprise for us in the Midwest. Scott Frost and the fraudulent Nebraska Cornhuskers also lost in a pay game this past weekend against Georgia Southern in which Scott Frost has since been fired. So a lot can happen in college football. That's the beautiful part about it. There's a reason they play the games. And I know Husky fans are probably sitting here thinking like, Hey, uh, we went to Michigan last year and got absolutely shellacked. It's not the same team. And even the team down the stretch last season in the Mac championship or towards the end in the stretch run was not the same team that we brought to Ann Arbor. And it's definitely not the same team that we're going to have this weekend at Husky Stadium against Vanderbilt. And that's one thing, too, is the week, the first week game against Eastern Illinois, I got the attendance numbers back. The attendance was about 11,000. Now, I know there's not 11,000 people in here, but if you're in this room and you could be in this town on Saturday, I should count to see your uh, happy face up at Husky Stadium for, for an upset victory against Vanderbilt. But that's one thing that I was actually really happy with going to game one is that – even though we didn't have 25,000 or 28,000 in the stands, the people that were there were loud, proud, and heard, and they made it difficult for Eastern Illinois. And I can only hope that that type of environment will reciprocate this weekend against Vanderbilt. And then, too, you look at it like this. Vanderbilt lost 45-25 last week against Wake Forest. We lost a heartbreaking game. Both teams are hungry, looking to add another win to the win column to make it 2-1 and one on the season. So, if – 
there's anybody in Husky Nation that's thinking that maybe we'll just roll over Vanderbilt. They're Vanderbilt. Like, when was the last time they were good at football, right? Probably haven't been good at football since Jay Cutler. But <laughs> they got a quarterback now in Daniel. I think his last name's Daniels. I'd have to, I think it's Mike Daniels. And from what I've seen from them this year, I saw first game of the season up against Hawaii, and then I saw uh, this past week up against Wake Forest. The kid can throw the rock, and he can definitely run the football as well. Uh, it's something that we're definitely going to want to take care of because, as I've said before, this uh, this defense is questionable. Like, we haven't really seen this defense play to their fullest potential. We've seen them with, with the turnovers get a lot better. If you look at last season, you only have three turnovers or three interceptions. We had more turnovers than that. But this year, through two games, we already have four interceptions, and the defensive backs only continue to get hungrier. So it'll be interesting to see how the defensive backs attack the Vanderbilt offense. The Vanderbilt offense has put up a lot of points so far this season, so it'll be interesting to see what type of matchup that presents for this defense. But if you look at their two games so far this season, they have 63-10 victory against Hawaii, and then they have a 45-25 to defeat against uh, Wake Forest. So in their two games, they've been able to put up, not a math guy, but uh, 88 points. So 44 points a game. That's a lot of points to have to contend against on the defensive side of the ball. But the good thing is, is our offense is good too. We can score points at a premium. We can do it a variety of different ways. Rocky will be able to uh, to connect with his receivers and tight ends, which he has been so far throughout this season that it shouldn't be an issue. We all know what we're going to get from the running backs as for the last two years, the running backs have not been an issue. And I don't know why I said Mike Daniels. It's Mike Wright. Similar name, common last name. He is a junior, 6'4", 195, decent size. And like I said, he can run with the football. But for me, offensively, it really comes down to can this be a, a Coach Hammock game plan? Can this be a game that we kind of are a bow Ball constrictor with the ball. We keep the ball out of Vanderbilt's hands. We hold the time of possession in our favor, which is something that we haven't done the best of the first two weeks. As you guys have seen throughout Coach Amick's time here as the NIU football head coach, time of possession is something that we emphasize. We like to have the ball 35 to 40 minutes a game. And look at this guy. Look at this son rolling in here right after a practice. My guy Rocky joining the show. How was practice, my guy? Great. Great. Thank you. Great. So first show here, first of the season, I kind of had to get going a little bit without you. Just talking a little bit about Tulsa, talking a little bit about Vanderbilt, but we'll get started with Tulsa from this past weekend. So first half, 24-7, you go into the halftime locker room. and We've seen this before. I kind of think of it as like the Wyoming game, but what would you say changed for you guys in the second half to where, you know, you only end up losing by three, but, you know, you ultimately could have won the game. Yeah, I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, we just executed better. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we just executed better. Um, we became a little more aggressive, obviously, because we had to be. Um, and, yeah, I think we all just decided that we had nothing to lose. Right when we go out there, we're going to play free. Uh, first half, we were a little tight. The next week, the way we wanted to. But um, came out in the second half, finished strong, and uh, we'll definitely – Build some confidence coming into this one. So take us through what it's like competing in a game like that where you're constantly battling back and, you know, you believe it has potential. Do you believe it has potential to serve the same purpose as that Wyoming game last year where it's like you were just that close of defeating the uh, ESPN 99.9 
percent win probability in the third quarter, which I would assume I'll have to pull it up while you're talking next. Tulsa was probably at like 90 percent plus. Like I said, I was watching it at work and I was just like telling everyone, I'm like, look, it's 24 to seven, but they're going to rally. They're going to come back. What's it like competing in a game like that where it's almost like a mad game? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh I think I'm a little used to it by now, you know, for better or for worse. But uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of energy. We got great energy in the second half on the sideline. Um, you know, and, and we truly believe that we were going to win that game. Uh, came down to the, really the, the last play, you know, the fourth down play. Uh, offense, defense gave everything we had. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way this time. But uh, this history is showing I'm sure we'll next time. So what did you learn about the team from this game? I know there wasn't a huge turnover, but there was quite a few transfers added. Casper had two touchdowns. He looked phenomenal. Cole Tucker, over 100 yards receiving, and then another touchdown. But in the midst of adversity, down 17 points at the half on the road, what did you learn about this year's Husky football team in that moment? Yeah, I, I, think, that, uh, I think that we learned that we're still resilient. We still have the same resiliency we had last year. We got a lot of fun. I think our defense is proven to be a lot better, which I'm really excited about. I think they've shown some good things on tape, and I'm excited to see that continue to improve. And I think that we are more versatile than we were last year as well. I think we're better in the pass game, uh, and I think that will help us uh, be better in the run game as well, which obviously we already have a very good run game. So I was talking about that a little bit before you showed up. I think. This arm right here might be the key to victory uh, this weekend and, and in the next few weekends against Kentucky because the way that those two teams play, they can put up points in a hurry. We can end up in a shootout or on the reverse under the spectrum. Why not give it to, to the three-headed monster? Like the three-headed monster has looked phenomenal so far this season. So what do you kind of think are, without going too far into scheme or anything, what do you think are like the keys to the game uh, coming up this week against Vanderbilt? Yeah, well, if you look back at our last two games, I think one thing for sure is you know, don't don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Right? No penalties, no unforced errors, no remains. I mean, that's, that's the majority of the drives are going to stop has resulted from penalties, remains, drops, misthrows, whatever it is. So for us, it's just about just playing clean football. Yeah, you know, I think we play clean football. Uh, this offense has you know, a very high ceiling, and we go wherever we want to. So you go through that game, right? You're coming back. You end up finishing the game with 259 yards. You have three touchdowns from one interception, which at the end, like I told you after the game, is really, you, can't, you can't catch the ball, too. You can only do one thing. You can throw it, and then two. We haven't seen you run the ball a lot this year. I've only seen it's three rushing attempts for not that many yards, which I know you're not happy with, because I know you like running the football, but I know they don't like for you to run the football. So what's kind of changed in that aspect where you're staying more patient in the pocket and you're sticking to your feet and finding the source? Well, I, I think part of that is because I'm watching pretty fast. Uh, if you look at my team from last year this year, I'm much more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, our receivers are much more detailed this year. Uh, we got a lot of talent on the outside, so the game the past game has been a lot, a lot smoother. Um, so I think that's part of it. And, uh, what what is it going to be? I mean, dude, I haven't done the Rocky and the Battery in the Rams. I mean, I haven't seen my favorite play yet, so you know I'm getting a little antsy. Maybe we'll see it out there on Saturday. But last year, uh, you know, and this year, the two years that Coach Hammond has really utilized the transfer portal, you're finding a lot of key playmakers for your team. Guys like Isaiah Green, guys like Casper. 
guys like Shamar Thornton. What's it been like to see those new guys get added to the equation, and how do you think they've done so far as a hustler? Yeah, it's been great to add some pieces. I think last year we were probably short a couple pieces. But to add, you know, Isaiah has been fantastic for defense. He's been a huge playmaker. And on top of that, he's also been a great leader. He's an honorary fashion for this last week. Um, something in for Jason has been up and out. Uh, and then obviously receivers have been great. Tisha Moore has for both of my great camps. Which they've proven to produce games in the last few weeks. And it's good to see because, you know, when we had spring ball, it wasn't necessarily like that, right? <laughs> you know? uh, they've improved quite a bit. They work. Uh, the first guy's in, the last guy's out. So they're, they're a really good addition to the team. Not, not only as players, but and then other than that, we've seen a lot of newcomers on both offense and defense, some of the younger guys. What are some of the for those of us that don't know everybody on the team? Who are some of the younger guys that have just kind of started playing that have really made an impact on the team in your eyes? Yeah, well, we got quite a few of them. You know, we still have a young team. Yeah, uh, we got a, we got a couple of young backs that have been stepping up. And we saw a little bit of Mason Blake more last year. He's been excellent this year. I'm excited to see him continue to improve. Um, AB is still in Ontario. He's still a second-year guy. performing really well for us. We got Pete Magra. I was going to say center, yeah. Who is uh, second year as well. And he's been, he's been awesome at center, really helping us out. Filling in for Brady Patton, who was a key piece for our offense last year. Uh, George Gums coming in the tight end, 84. He's been great. Uh, really learning the offense is coming together. Uh, really kind of getting get conceptually what our offense is yeah. about. And then we got a ton of pieces on defense, too. Yeah. Too many to even name. So yeah, we've, we've, we've got a ton of young talent coming to help us. And, uh, you know, like Coach always says, we our team is like that. So we got quite a few young guys with the So talk about George. Now, I know the play was designed for him that fourth and fourth. What did you say to him to kind of pick him up? Because you know the game's not over at that moment, and you might need him to make another play down the stretch. What did you kind of say to him, especially being so young in that moment that didn't go his way? Yeah, I mean, George was heartbroken about, about the play. And, um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I told him that after the game, plays over, it's not going to feel about it. We're going to move on from this game. I said, to be honest with you, even if we went 12 and over, not for us in the playoffs. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, it's fair. At but, least not this year, right? At least not this year. But you know, it, it is what it is. It's a non-conference game. These games are all about you know, respect for our program. These games are about building confidence coming into the action. The back play, I should say. So it's just about moving on to the next thing. And you know, it, it sucks. It's going to hurt for a couple of days, but we're going to move forward. And we're going to get everybody for this week and the rest of the season. Yeah, and to quote, to quote the great Bill Belichick, we're on to Cincinnati, but Cincinnati just happens to be Vanderbilt this week. So that's what it is. Like, you can't win every game. And I think the only thing that was lost in that game would have been, like, if you guys somehow went undefeated with 12-0 being everywhere on the schedule, it'd be very hard to keep you out of a New Year's Six. But I still think, look, the max wide open, we're still probably going to go to a bowl game. Like, everything is still right there for the taking. But I talked a little bit as well before you got here today. So talk about the environment at Husky Stadium for week one, and then talk about what type of environment you want for Vanderbilt this week, because that's the biggest opponent we've had at Husky Stadium in quite some time here. Yeah, yeah well, week one, it really was quite, quite a good crowd. I was most impressed with the student section. I think it was one of the better student sections we've had 
I, I will fetch. I'm yeah, not sure that's right. It's, yeah. it's got to be close. So this is a bad moment for us. Uh, we're ready to roll. They're a good team. But, uh, you know, we're, we're right there with them. So I'm excited to see the crowd this Saturday. I think it'll be a big crowd. I think it'll be rowdy. It'll be all fun. And then I know you guys probably haven't gotten too far into the game plan for Vandy, but what do you expect to see from them defensively? might be pretty hard to judge based off last week because they gave up a lot of points, but the week before they played Hawaii, and they held them to 10. So from those two games, have you seen anything that you know you were kind of exploring going into this matchup? Um, I don't know if I've seen anything necessarily that I could exploit, but, you know, every defense has holes to it. I think we already have a good plan even for, um, for their defensive scheme. Uh, I think we got a good rushing attack. Uh, you know, they run a pretty standard base cover forward defense. Uh, they do a lot of different things, a lot of different fronts, uh, different back end coverages. But I think you got some good stuff. You know, at the end of the day, it's really about us, like I said. We just got to go out there. We got to execute our game plan. We got to run the ball efficiently. We got to throw the ball efficiently. And everything else take care of itself. See, and I'm glad you said that because too many times, especially people like me that talk about the ball and Mike Ricard are always talking about the opponent, talking about this, talking about that. But as long as those guys in that locker room believe, like you said at halftime against Sosa, we believe we could go out and win this game, a lot of times you'll end up receiving what you believe in. So I really, I really do trust that team. And even throughout the stretch last year, like take a look at maybe like the Central Michigan game where the ball quite literally just fell our way that day. Sometimes the luck is eventually going to run out. You know what? That's what all the trivia Saturdays. So I'll just say our luck in those one possession games just happened to run out. But what are you looking forward to most about the next two weeks? Because we are essentially a member of the SEC. We have back-to-back SEC games to close out conference play, and we got to find a way to win them both, right? No, it's a really good opportunity for us. You know, SEC is really the mecca of college football. Um, so to be able to play two balls in that conference is, is pretty special. It's a great opportunity for us to measure ourselves for, for uh, the next schedule coming up. And then obviously we're going to have a great moment in Kentucky in two weeks too. So um, not only to compare ourselves to the MAC, but to compare ourselves to the rest of the conference. So it'll be a good opportunity. I think we're ready to go. And I'll be excited to see how we do. Yeah, and I think for next week's show, we're going to have to get a glass of coffee out here and ask you what you put in your coffee, because I can assume it's not going to be bad. But we'll save that for next show, because that'll be for Kentucky. We need to play. Uh, looking at this game, so offensively, what do you want to see from yourself? And then what do you want to see from the rest of the unit in order for you guys to go out there and do what you need to do on Saturday? Yeah, I think on offense, really what I want to see is efficiency. I want to see efficiency in the past game. I want to see clean football. Basically, um, what I talked about you know, no, no uh, unforced errors, no penalties. Um, just going out there and playing clean football. And I think we can do that. I think we're more than capable to do that. Uh, and if we play clean football, we're going to be hard to beat. We're going to be hard to stop on offense. We're very talented, multiple, and versatile. So we go out there, we play clean football, we do, we do things the right way. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be tough for people to beat us. 
And then one side note, for those of you that don't know, one of our defensive coaches, Coach Dan Jackson's over there at Vanderbilt. Do you think, you know, he's sitting in the meeting room like, oh, I, I kind of have a feeling what they're going to do. Or are you guys sitting in your meeting rooms like, hey, I know what kind of coverages he's going to throw at us because he was a DB's coach? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, it's part of coaching. I, I would be a little disappointed if Coach Jackson wasn't trying to give away every secrets, you know. I mean, that's that's his job, and our job is to uh, you know, try to pull him and, like you said, see what coverages he's going to put out for us. And I think we got uh, we got a good idea about what they're going to do. I'm sure they're going to do some idea what we're going to do. So, like I said, just about going on next to me. So if you weren't here a few years ago when we played them the last time. It was only a one-possession game. We played them at their place, and this is the back end of a home-and-home. Home. So let's go for a series, Kyle. Let's find a way to win a football game on Saturday. But and I'm sorry you didn't get to go to Nashville last time because I know I know you probably would have enjoyed that. Nashville's a very fun city. I, I did get to see their stadium. It's a nice little spot. It's right outside of downtown. But they got to come out here. They got to come see us at Husky Stadium, and it's going to be a tough one. But – Going back to your running back, so last year it was a different trio, right? You lose the rat, but you get you get Mason Blakemore in a, in a higher role. You still have Ontario Brown, and then you get Harrison Whaley back from an injury. What's it like knowing that, even though I know you have good receivers too, at any given time, if stuff's not working, you got these guys over there paving the way for you, and then the running back's got plenty of space to make something happen. Yeah, it's a really good feeling. As a quarterback, it's really important to have a good running game. You know, it swings up in the pass game and looks versa. So for us to be so be able to be so balanced on offense, that's really huge for, uh, for efficiency and for moving the ball and keeping keep the drives alive. Be able to have those three backs in the backfield is awesome because they're all kind of their own little backs, right? So we got eight games. Love a power runner, great tackles, got great speed. Actually, they all three really got great Yeah, they all pretty quick, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we could set up a race, like all five of us on a line. And I'm definitely getting last. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, Harry's very explosive. Acceleration is off the charts. First one for 15. Mason's very shifty. He's straight out of the backfield in the last game. So all three of those backs really kind of the so here's a good one for you. So I know we didn't have a show after the Eastern Illinois, but our guy, friend of the program, your former roommate, I don't know if you guys are still living together, but Liam caught his first touchdown pass. What was that like? Uh, especially being such close friends and you're like, hey, bro, I got you. But we're going to get you your first touchdown pass today. It, it was pretty special. We, we actually, so we called the play, and then I think they called the time. One of us called the time. I'm pretty sure Eastern called the time. He's looking at me, he's like, you better throw me this ball. So I'm like, get in, I'm like, get in. Like, All right, whatever. I roll out, I'm looking, full tucker wide open. Come back around. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, he's over too, he's got chance. It was like, a, it was a second and a half situation, so you could take, take him. I passed up a wide open, come back around, just to get him to run. It was the first time. Yeah. So, you know, if you guys have seen Coach 30, Coach 30 sitting in the meeting room with the laser just pointing at Cole Tucker, like, what are you doing, man? But there's plenty of touchdowns that Cole's had, and, and I'm sure he was more than happy to let Liam get his first touchdown. And, like, I almost got in trouble, too, because the fan in me went crazy. I'm just, like, I'm, like, fist pumping under the desk in the press box, like, let's go, Liam. But it was good to see that. Uh, talk about your offensive line. So pretty much a similar group. 
The only difference is Pete Nigra, but like you said a little bit earlier, Pete Nigra, we talked about him a lot last year on the show. It was just there wasn't that fit for him to start because Braden was here. Having the same offensive line for the most part, 80%, do you think that that's helped them move into this season with that same type of momentum? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's helped quite a bit. We also got a couple guys rotating in, rotating in last year. So really, you know, we play seven offensive linemen, six of them, same guys that are uh, so I think they've got great chemistry. We obviously have been great in the run game the last few years. Um, and they've, they've improved in the past, in the past game as well. So pass pro has been a lot better. Uh, they've been making, making my job easy, keeping me clean. Uh, I don't think we have any sacks for the year. So uh, they've been doing a great job. I'm excited to see them keep progressing. Uh, I think they're slowing the grow, but it's been a really good start to the season. No sacks and only three carries. I'm going to need someone to ring your bell at practice this week, so you're ready for this weekend, because it doesn't seem like anybody's touched you, but no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. You're ready for war. You know you're a warrior, but going into this matchup, you talk about the defense, you talk about the offense, but what would you say like are the three most important things outside of maybe protecting the ball and holding on to the football that you guys absolutely have to do to win this game? Yeah, I mean, outside of ball security, which is obviously number one in everything we play, um, I think something we need to do is, is be efficient on first down. That's something we struggled on, struggled with uh, these first few games. Uh, I think that's huge. We've actually been really good on third down, which we weren't as good last year. So I think that that's important. Be good on first and third down. Those are two really big downs for us. And then convert uh, the red zone. We've also been good at that this year so far. But, you know, really, when you get in that red zone, you got to score seven points. Uh, and that's huge for your defense. That's huge for momentum. So I think those are the three biggest keys. Put down for some red zone scoring. And for those of you that don't know, they were the number one fourth down team in the nation last year. Hopefully, we won't have to get to too many fourth downs this year. But I do like what I see from you guys in those pressure now. You're usually able to make a lot of plays. So you've been here for a little bit over a year. What would you say your favorite part about being quarterback here for NIU is? I would, I would say it's the guys. Um, you know, being a class team, this coaching staff, uh, they, just, they just make you love football. You know, I think that was a big thing for me is I wanted to go somewhere uh, where I felt like I was valued and I was love the game of football just like I did. So I think that's the most special part for me is to be you know, coaching them kind of set up. They come, come with energy every day. They make you love the game. And, um, you know, my teammates as well. You know, we bring energy. We try to bring energy as much as coaches. Sometimes they beat us, but <laughs> it, it's, it's fun. You know, we keep it fun. We keep it light. We work hard. Um, and and, that, and that's, that's what it's about, really. Yeah, I've seen some of the, uh, like, jump ball workouts and the tug of wars that the coaches have. They're always very animated and then too like I was sitting back watching the replay again today and uh the, the line coaches the cornerback coach whoever it may be you ever see down on that sideline are usually full of energy and then too like I was like I said I was watching the replay like even when uh when Miles went down like Coach Hammock is right there with the trainer so one thing that they've always stressed about here at NIU is it's about the people it's about the relationships and it's about a brotherhood it's it's the hard way here. And yeah, we may not have the best facilities or the best of this and that, but you guys know that the man next to you and the man next to him, you guys all have each other's back. 
and out there on set. Well, I say Saturdays, but sooner or later, Tuesdays and Wednesdays too. You guys always go out there and you put together your best game. And maybe you don't win every week, but I can respect the way you guys play the game. I got to ask you, I saw you training a lot in the offseason. What was the offseason like for you? Where did you train, and how do you feel like kind of preparing you for this season? Yeah, so I, I went to uh, Jersey a couple times this year. I, I see a guy, he's Tony Brasilke. Uh, I was training for the cricket last year. He's got a bunch of players in college football right now. It, it was really huge for him. I think that he's cleaned up my throwing motion a lot. Um, my accuracy has been much improved. Uh, you know, he talks a lot about small misses. You know, because you're not going to be perfect on every throw. But if we can, if we can minimize the misses, minimize the area where you're missing, then we can turn those misses into completions versus interceptions or incompletions or, you know, something like that. So I think that's been really huge for me. I feel a lot smoother. Uh, I'm continuing to improve. I'm still working on it. Uh, but he's been a huge help to me. I'm very thankful for him. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, you never want to throw an interception, but as someone who's watched probably every down of football that you've played, you've had some of the most unlucky <laughs> interceptions. Like like the one uh, last year in Wyoming with Chad Boomer, it's like, we do admit that J.J. Watt has to play. Like, what can you say or what can you do? And now that guy's played on Sundays. The one that happened this weekend, it falls off your receiver's hands, and unfortunately, you're not able to get that one back. But yesterday, and even Saturday, too, so you can kind of talk about if you were able to watch any games on Saturday, but it was a crazy weekend in football. I was talking before you got here. We saw three different pay games. Uh, pay game, I mean, like Marshall beating Notre Dame or Cap State beating uh, Texas A&M or Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. That's kind of like what this weekend is, right? But it's a lot. I think it's a lot more even of a playing field. I don't think it's anything like that. Like, I think we have a way better chance to win. But between college and the NFL, what game kind of caught your eye? It was like the most exciting one they saw this weekend. Yeah, well, I didn't get to watch a ton of games on Saturday. I did watch basically the entire Alabama Texas game. Uh, me and Ethan was my roommate in the hotel. And, uh, Justin Lynch was in the game. And guys were all watching the game. That was quite the game. Uh, Texas defensively, quite the effort. Uh, it was closed the whole way. You know, Texas wasn't able to pull it out in the end, but. Uh, it was a great game to watch. A lot of momentum switch, shifts, um, a lot of energy on both sides, and, and an exciting thing. So you know I'm going to ask you this because I know you're just a field sniper. Did you see? Did you see the game? Did you see the slide? Did you see I it? saw the slide. Okay. I tagged you in the slide for like the slide in the week one of the Rock and Roll Party show. But yeah, dude, after, well, you know I'm another Notre fan, so I was already like in pure shambles. I was like, all right, that's fine. The boys will take care of Tulsa. That didn't happen. And I'm like, dude, if the Bears don't win tomorrow, football's not a sport. Like, I, I literally can't get through this week without a Bears winning. I was happy to see that happen. But from an NFL standpoint, I know we've kind of joked about who your team is. I kind of called you a Packers fan on accident last year. We were just an Aaron Rodgers fan. Claim your team now, or if it's not a team, claim like the guy that you follow the most in the league. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I really don't have a team. I, I've never really been, I, I guess, growing up, when I was really young, I was a little bit of a Ravens fan because Ray Lewis was my favorite player. So I love Ray Lewis. Guys, guys, awesome. Um, but right now, I would say I like to follow Josh Allen a lot, Justin Herbert, 
Um, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, uh, my guy Kirk Cousins, um, my best guy, and I know Kirk a little bit, talked to him a couple times, so anytime I get an opportunity to see those guys play, it's exciting for me, but I really just, I just don't have a desire to say it. Well, I'll allow you to follow in all those guys' footsteps, except for Mr. Rodgers, he's just not my favorite guy as the Packers quarterback. I can deal with Cousins, because... He's not as hateable as Rodgers, right? But Cousins, Cousins is like a three, four thousand yard passer every year, so it's tough not to respect his game. And yesterday, he found Jefferson for like 160 yards, two touchdowns, and all that stuff. But we have an NFL game on right now. We're going to be talking before each and every Monday night football game. If I can see right now, it looks like the Seahawks are winning. So with that being said, even though the Seahawks are up seven to nothing, who do you think ends up winning this game? As this is like the Russell Wilson revenge game, right here. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be a good game, but I gotta go with the because I think Russell Wilson is a really good one. I think just overall a better team. So I'd be surprised if Brock doesn't pull it out, but who knows? Maybe the NFL could take the bleeders. Anything can happen. You gotta go with us. So I don't know if you saw him pre pregame. He had like the ugliest, like lime green. If you see their jerseys, like lime green, like that. He had a lime green suit on. He 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 looked so goofy. And even though Russell Wilson is very good at football, I don't think he's very good at like being like a likable guy. He's always kind of doing some cringe stuff. But the kid can sling the rock. And honestly, now that I think about it. Coach Hammond probably coached us. He was at Wisconsin. He might have been there during those years. So maybe not be too far-fetched to get Mr. Unlimited down here and uh, see if he can let it sling with you guys. Mike is battery dying. Yeah, so it's time for me to stop talking, it looks like. But apologies on the technical difficulties. Still looks like it's cutting a little bit in, a little bit out. Something that we will definitely have fixed for you guys for next week. But, Rocky, can I get a battle cry, some final words, maybe a little ask of Husky Nation for their support this weekend before we close out the show? Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this weekend. I think uh, it's a good opponent. It's a good opportunity for us. Uh, please come out and support. We'd love to have you guys there. We'd love to hear the crowd. Uh, we need you guys. So this will be a good week. Uh, have faith in Husky Nation. We're, we're going to have a good season. We're going to have another good season. We'll you heard it from the man himself. Get out there on Saturday to see the Huskies take on Vanderbilt at Husky Stadium. But surprisingly, we somehow ended this at 7.30 on the dot as requested from our higher-ups. But that will wrap up the first edition of the Rocky Lombardi Show live from Fatty's Pub and Grill. We'll be live every Monday until midweek match begins. Make sure, make sure to stay tuned to the Huskies on Tap channel on Apple and Spotify for future episodes of the show. Rocky and I will be back next week to recap the Vandy game and take a look ahead at the Kentucky game. But this was the Rocky Lombardi Show presented to you by OnTap Sportsnet and brought to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill. I'm your host, Brandon Torres. You can follow me on Twitter at BDOM300. You can follow this guy to my right, Rocky, at Rocky Lombardi 12 And you can follow our main account where you can find articles and all of our podcasts at Huskies on Tap. We look forward to seeing you here for next week's show. And go Huskies. Roll dog. Still got it. May the dog show forever. Yeah. I got drink on living lavish. In the kitchen whipping magic. I got drink on living lavish. In the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. Dirt, dirt.
ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in heart.